Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Hello, Watoto family and friends, wherever you are, either at one of our campuses or maybe watching online or on air. Welcome to church today. I know you've had a great time worshiping God. Now, today I'm joined with our family pastor, Pastor Joshua. How are you doing today? I'm still saved and still married. Wonderful. And the children? Uh, They're taller than me. I can imagine. I remember the little boys now. They're big boys. No no longer small. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Now, from the previous three weeks, actually, more specifically, as we've been diving into the book of 1 Corinthians, Uh, We've received a lot of feedback on how the messages have been impactful, but also many questions that people have asked. And the height of it, Josh, was this past weekend when we handled the message on marriage and uh, singlehood, divorce, separation. And so there was lots of questions, even on the week we were dealing with uh, sexual immorality. So we thought that we needed to do something that Paul actually did. He heard what the church in Corinth uh, was going through and the things that were going on there, he also was written to because they needed clarity. They had questions and he took time to respond to them. So today, we're going to pretty much respond to the questions that you have asked, whether they came online or you talked to one of the pastors and you needed clarity. Now, the truth is we cannot answer every question Uh, Because when it comes to these uh, matters that uh, people are going through, whether it's marriage or uh, issues of separation and divorce, they are very contextual. But our comfort is this. They are principles that can guide us in making the right decisions. And so as we dive into it, let's pray and then uh, we'll get into those questions. Now, Father... I thank you so much uh, for the fact that your word has answers to all our questions. And many times we go through life and different situations come to us and they can be confusing. Uh, But God, we ask that today you will bring clarity in some of the areas of concern, especially when it comes to matters of marriage, uh, matters of singlehood, and uh, matters of separation and divorce. And I pray that as Josh and I dive into the Bible and, and respond to these questions, that God, it will be you speaking to your people. You love us all and you care about us ultimately. We thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Now, as we uh, get into the questions, we're going to start, we've broadened them. We will do uh, um, uh, questions that arose out of marriage issues. Uh, We'll also deal with uh, issues of divorce and separation today. And then we'll also handle a few things that came through when it came to singlehood. But uh, here's what 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 says, because this is the source of all the responses we are going to make. All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it's inspired by God and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. All scripture is inspired by God to help us and train us to live in a way that glorifies God. So Josh, let's dive into the marriage questions. Yeah, and the very first question has to do what constitutes biblical marriage. I know some people feel, you know, why insist on a church wedding? Why um, don't we pay attention to other kinds of marriages? Because there are quite a number. Right. And so I would say, yes, we do recognize that there are several types of marriages. Yep. We have the traditional marriage, um, which also varies from culture to culture. Then we have the religious um, marriages from yep. different religion to another religion. And I also discovered that Christian marriage is distinct from the rest of them. So it's not just religious, it's Christian. Yes. And then we have the civil marriage. And then, of course, there are those where people have assumed. We've yep. come together, we have children, so we are married. married. And, and, and so there's that general social standing. But we want to talk about biblical marriage. And when right. we think of biblical marriage, um, again, as Paul gives us a picture in Ephesians chapter 5, it's a reflection of the relationship Christ has with, with the church. So I would say the biblical marriage is one that follows um, the principle that God is the author yes. of marriage. Absolutely. In Genesis chapter 2, when man was um, alone, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So God created a woman and brought her to the man as a suitable helper Very so that good. together would fulfill God's plan and purpose. So how do we know that your marriage or my marriage is biblical? It needs to run on Bible principles yes. of faithfulness, yeah. of forgiveness, unconditional love, and more especially uncovenant love. When you read Matthew 19, mm. again, which was a point of reference last week, it says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Yep. So there will no longer be two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. separate. And he's not saying those whom circumstances are brought together. But God is at the center wow. of this relationship. Now, um, we believe and know when we read from God's word that a marriage covenant is that unbreakable, absolute, undying, unfailing commitment to maintain a marriage relationship which is wholly unique because of intimate love. Yeah. It's not based on what condition, what are you bringing, what are you contributing. No, it's not a performance-based relationship. <laughs> it's a, a commitment. In fact, it's a unilateral decision. I will love you. I will support you. I will respect you for the rest of my life. life. And so it's important. So um, when we talk about this, this marriage, biblical marriage, again, it's expressed through the marriage vows where you say, yes, I'll love you and condition all the time. Yep. I'll always honor you, respect you, comfort you in all of life's varied circumstances for richer, for poorer, yeah. in sickness, in health, in promotion, in demotion, mm. in uh, employment and unemployment. And I'll say that is my addition. But <laughs> <laughs> those are the different circumstances of life. We are stepping away from everything that weakens the bond 
and we want to reflect the union that Christ has for us. And you know, the Bible says that Christ having loved them, he loved them to the very end. And we know he demonstrates his love by laying down his life. Not laying down his rules. Mm. He lays down his life. And so that's what we are calling us to reflect Christ in our relationship. And that's right, because that's, that's God's original design. Yeah. And it is perfect. But we got another question here, Josh, yeah. where someone said, okay, is God's perfect design realistic? <laughs> uh, life on earth dictates mm-hmm. otherwise. Uh, and that's real. And then uh, uh, another question came in regard to that, saying, how can we make our marriage work? in the light of the differences in faith, cultures, and expectations. Uh, what is the best way to respond to cultural traditions, those are the voices, and practices that conflict with our outlook to life? And it was all around marriage. Yeah. So you've described to us God's original perfect plan yeah. for marriage. Yeah. But the reality that someone is saying here is that it seems it cannot work. Now, listen to me, my friends. Many times, bad news spreads faster than good news. Um, It is true. uh, There is challenges in marriage and breakups in marriage, and many of them really painful and uh, very, very destructive, and they make the rounds in news. But there is also... Amazing, beautiful marriages that are healthy, happy, and strong, built on the solid foundations of God's original design. And now, just because something didn't work for somebody else doesn't mean the design is wrong. You know, here it's not about the plan. It's about we the people. We can fail the plan. Uh, You know, it's interesting how we continue to travel Mm-hmm. in buses, on border borders, mm-hmm. small bikes, yep. even when we know there's been accidents. Yep. And so sometimes those uh, failures are going to occur, but they don't divert the fact that yep. God's original design is the most perfect one for marriage. Now, when failure occurs, yep. man begins to try and create a way mm-hmm. to live through. Yep. And Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says this, There is a way that appears to be right, Mm -hmm. but in the end, it leads to death. Mm. There is a way people begin to adjust and slowly move away from God's original design, but the end of it is going to be destruction and pain. And so when we talk about how do we make our marriage work in, in light of all these conflicting views, we go back to God's original plan. That's right. God, the author of marriage, knows how marriage should work best. And um, how can we respond? As a church, we know the challenges associated with marriage, so we do a pre-marriage preparation because we know that this is a covenant commitment, like you said. And so how do we get ready for it? And we go through the different aspects that will make your marriage thrive. That's the way we are responding. That's right. Uh, We have a family... uh, um, Office, but all the pastors uh, pretty much are there to 
offer marriage counseling for those who are going through challenges. And we all need counseling because we will get through some difficulty. Uh, we have marriage cells, small groups that are helpful. My marriage small group has contributed to the health of my marriage. That's right. Vanita and I are forever grateful for our marriage small group. In fact, this last one we had recently, we were talking about how do you live with yeah. in-laws and how do you deal with the in-law issue mm -hmm. in marriage? Yeah. And it was amazing how we learned together. So these are ways how we can continue to strengthen God's original design by engaging with God's people who mm -hmm. help us to stand for marriage. Yeah, and I know I asked myself, I know I'm anointed, my wife is anointed. Yep. Who cancels me? And I think I need a healthy environment. Yes. And that's why I go to the marriage cell. That's why I also come to you for counseling. Yep. All right? Because sometimes we want to do life alone. But yeah. we say it is family. Life is best done together with other um, people. It, it adds value and yes. authenticates that which is right and true. Um, but I know, we again, we live in a day where men must work Yep. in Washington, and the right. wife needs to work in, in somewhere in Australia. And so how do you handle that? Sometimes men and women are sent on special assignments. So there's a question that arose, how do you deal with this long-distance mm -hmm. relationship, these long seasons of separation, not necessarily because you're in conflict, but demand yeah. on your life requires yeah. that. But I also want to add on, apart from these career challenges, there are times of seasons of challenge that arise. Yep. Your spouse could be ill for a long time. Mm -hmm. Your spouse could be out of employment for a long time. Or maybe never even gets to work again. It could be a season of, of grief. Yeah. Um, all the things happen in life. And they don't spare you whether you're married or, or single. Right. So how do we deal with all those times? We, we encourage to be in agreement. And yes. I think that's why communication is, is important. Very important. Be in agreement. And I know the Bible speaks about when you separate for a time. Mm -hmm. Let it be clear we are going to be apart for this season. Yep. And we're also in agreement for this purpose. Yes. You've gone to study and not to, um, to do work, mm -hmm. all right? Because it's, it's clear that we know why you have gone. gone yes. When are you coming back? And also, thank God for technology these days. Yes. We are going to be talking together. I know you are eight hours away from our time. You agree on a time you can call and talk, talk to each other. It also calls for adjustment. True. I mean, you probably have never imagined when, when how could I live without my husband for this period of time? Or how can I live without my wife for this period of time? It calls for adjustment. I do salute some men that I know. When their wife had to go away for a long time, they chose to leave their work and follow their wives and for a season work as the housekeeper. But they're saying the principle is we must keep this marriage as one right. and we must do whatever it takes to keep us in line with God's principles of commitment yep. till death do us part. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, and here whether it is seasons of separation that are circumstantial yeah. or storms, like yeah. you said, that hit the family, it's all about the foundations. Yeah. On which foundation is your marriage built? Because this is going to happen. Yeah. Seasons are going to come. Uh, uh, storms are going to come. 
the moment it's built on God's solid word, yep. you're going to stand and thrive through. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go on, Josh. Uh, uh, and now, these were questions that came around, uh, uh, not necessarily circumstantial for work, yep. uh, but separation, because the marriage seems to be constrained. Yep. Matters of divorce and remarriage. Those were questions that also came in. Uh, so we have a question, and this one was asked in many different ways. What does the Bible teach as the grounds for separation and divorce? That's a very important question. And I want to go back to the text that you read from Matthew 19. And Jesus was responding to this uh, very same question. Yeah. And uh, he talked about God's original perfect plan in Matthew 19. Mm -hmm. And then he was challenged uh, again uh, by the Pharisees who were testing him and said, hey, uh, Jesus, but there's a way we've been living and it is also Moses who uh, told us we can do this. We can separate, walk away and be divorced. So Jesus replied to them and he said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Jesus gives the underlying issue here, the hardness of heart. But it was not this way from the beginning, from God's original uh, design. It was a deviation. And I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except, and this is where this question comes from, yeah. for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. That is, those are the words of Jesus. Those are not mine. In fact, when you continue to read, the disciples turned to Jesus and said, who then can get married? Yeah. It's better to be simple, to, to be single. Why? The stakes of marriage are high. And Jesus was not excusing. He was actually validating God's original design. But here Jesus says, except for sexual immorality. What does that mean? Uh, sexual immorality in this context is a spouse who has chosen to violate consistently unrepentant about their lifestyle sexually outside of the marriage. Yep. They have decided that they would share this unique gift of sex that was designed for the confines of marriage with somebody else or many other people um, outside of their marriage bed. And they are unrepentant. In other words, they've decided they're going to lead their lives not yep. the way God has chosen, yep. but the way they want to go. They, they insist it's my right, exactly. it's my way, and the rest of you have no say in my life. And you know, literally, they've chosen to live as an unbeliever. That's right. In the marriage institution, but also away from God's way. Yeah. And actually, it also relates again to what Paul says in the text we read last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Yeah. Paul says, if you were married to an unbeliever, non-believer, stay. Yeah. Stick to the original plan. Yeah. But if the unbeliever decides that they are going, not the believer, yeah. the unbeliever chooses to walk away, Paul says, then also in that scenario, let, it let them go. Yeah. They have chosen to go. You are no longer bound. So 
sexual immorality, unrepentant, that someone has chosen a lifestyle that is harmful to the spouse yeah. and harmful to the family, that one, they go. They are now, you treat them like an unbeliever. Yeah. An unbeliever who has just chosen to go because of the faith you yeah. have, Paul says you can let them go. The non-believer makes the choice and they are gone. Yeah. There's also apostasy where a person in the marriage no longer is believing in the marriage yeah. and really they have stopped to believe in God. Yeah. They have gone and really, they are pretty much the same context. They've really decided to be like a non-believer yeah. and those are the exceptions that have been given. Now, the question seems to uh, look like you're looking for ground so that you run away. That's not what the Bible is saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is when these circumstances happen, then you cannot. Yeah. You cannot try to stay and hold this thing together because someone has decided to leave go otherwise. and leave the marriage. But... Uh, anyways, we're going to carry on because that's it. It's right there in the scripture. Now, Josh, yes. how do we deal with a Christian spouse? You know, I've been describing some of that. Yes. Who is repeatedly abusive. They claim they're Christian. Not remorseful, unrepentant, and never willing to change. You know, when we, we talk about a Christian spouse, because we, we all begin knowing this man is saved. And I know we, we talk to people and say, he's saved in his way. Mm. And we, we have a, a belief that, yeah, they will somehow align to God's will. Yep. And yet some, yes, they were all upright. We knew they, they were doing the right thing. But along the way, they've adopted to ways that are not consistent with God's ways. That's why we're defining the biblical marriage. Right. Yes, this person, yes, he has a Christian name. It's an amazing name. But his lifestyle now has begun or has drifted away from God's word, from your initial expectation that yep. this man fears God and so he will do what is right before God. So what do we do? I want to say there's a biblical process on handling people that do um, go the wrong way. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus again was helping us to understand what do you do when there's offense right. in this matter. In verse 16 says, but if they will not listen, mm -hmm. take one or two others along with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Mm -hmm. So basically what Jesus is saying and advising us is mm -hmm. begin with a candid conversation. Very true. And how many problems will be solved in marriage if we learn to talk to one another candidly? Right. Not mixing up many things, issues by issue, yeah. and, and deal with that. Have a candid um, conversation. This is how I feel. This is how I was hurt. This is the way I see this matter. Right. Talk it through. In a safe place, not when children are listening, it's a good place to go to a, a nice place, nice ambience, yep. and concentrate so that you can deal with the issues. But also, the Bible says, bring in trustworthy witnesses. Right. Not just your bad days. No. All right? No, we don't even immediately recommend your parents mm. because they may be biased. Right. But bring trustworthy people. Yep. Then we'll speak objectively to you and to the person that you has offended you. But if that fails, we're yep. saying engage 
the church, the yes. church leadership. Yep. And um, we've talked about the marriage sales. We've talked mm -hmm. about their lead. There's a leadership process through which you can be helped. Yep. But again, <laughs> Jesus says, if this guy is surely gonna post it, there you go. He says, what do you think your pastor will do to me? What do you think your police will do to me? They are non-touchable in their hearts. It says, treat as a non-believer, which in my understanding is, know that these people do not want to submit to any authority. Right. Let them go. Right. And so that's the way it should be go. It should be going. But also saying, yes, ultimately your parents need to know. Mm. There's also a place to let your children know because sometimes we do things quietly behind without letting the children know, but talk to them, have a yeah. conversation, you know, and say, you know, this is what we are going through. And it's also good to let your children have counseling. Yes. So that they're helped Absolutely. in these tough times. Yes. How do you respond? Don't yep. use them as weapons. No. You know you the, the father loves the daughter, so use as a an artillery gun to mm -hmm. hit him down. No, let it not be warfare. Mm -hmm. Let's follow what the Bible recommends. Very good, very good. And these are tough things, honestly. Yep. They are not very easy things. Yep. Uh, and in fact, uh, Josh, it brings out the question again that came, uh, that why do people who are divorced mm -hmm. face lots of stigma? And how can the church best support them to find healing? And you already uh, alluded to some of yeah. this. So uh, divorce is a legal separation of husband and wife. We know that. And it's not just legal. This is, <laughs> the paper can't be there, but my goodness, this hurts that original plan so hard. Mm. It comes with pain. It comes with disappointment. And so all those uh, matters begin to create a certain stigma. Yeah. Because when you were getting married, it was a public affair, yeah. not very private. Yeah. In fact, if you think about the process on how we do it here, families come together fast. They celebrate. There's gift exchange. And then you bring it to the church. Yeah. There's a witness. And then there's a big reception. And sometimes people overdo it, by the way. Uh, and uh, it's great if you can afford it, but don't break the bank for, my, for that. You know, yeah. it's just a, the, the real life starts after that. Mm. And everybody has seen it, and tomorrow they're not seeing you together. And then you're fighting each other. Yeah. And then all this uh, uh, begins to happen. So in a sense, people, first of all, expressing a, a level of disappointment. Others, are a, a level of support. And that, mm -hmm. it just begins to break it apart. And somehow it begins to bring uh, some stigma in that uh, particular matter. Yes, we do pray. We do counseling. We walk with people. We listen to them. And, uh, and uh, we do all of that. But aside from the stigma... When we go back to God's original yeah. plan, God's heart breaks when a marriage covenant is violated. Yeah, that's right. That's the reality. In fact, in Malachi, uh, 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 God is talking about different things that break his heart. Yeah. And one of them yeah. is divorce. divorce. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, it says it's like acting violently. Yeah. Again, it's the one you're supposed to protect. To protect. Yeah. It is, it is, it breaks God's heart. And, and then it, and that's why it comes to when it says God hates divorce. It's the impact yeah. of how it hurts the two. It hurts the families. 
It has the children. It separates friends. People want to, uh, you know, there's what, we, those are the things yeah. we see. But God sees more. Mm -hmm. He sees how the future has been impacted. He sees so much more. Yeah. And then he says, I don't like yeah. this. And especially if it is treated casually. Yeah. And so the impacts of divorce are really, really devastating. But here's the deal. We know there's God's perfect plan. Yeah. But there's God's redemptive plan. That's right. Because there is no situation our God is unable to redeem. That's right. And in the portion in Matthew, uh, Jesus talks about the root cause, which is the hardness of heart. Yep. And Jesus says that that's what must be dealt with. The pepper and the vows we make should be expressions of what is in our hearts. That's right. And if our hearts cannot, and by the way, on our own, it's impossible. Mm. So Jesus came to really soften our hearts That's right. and give us a new heart. Yep. Uh, and I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. May, may I correct you a bit? He yes, didn't come please. to soften our hearts. He came to say? To remove the, the hard-heartedness. Yes. And then give <laughs> us a heart. Give us a heart of flesh. Yeah. That's right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And I said it last week. On our own, yep. we cannot do marriage God's way. Yeah. And it starts with the heart. His redemptive plan starts with the heart transformation. And uh, thank you for correcting uh, that part there. And what does that mean? We need to come to a place of repentance if yeah. there's been hardness, especially in our marriages. Yeah. And some of us could still be in a marriage, but the hardness of heart is affecting the relationship. That's right. Some of us might be separated right now, and it's the hardness of heart that is preventing us from talking, yeah. from reconciliation. And so there's God's redemptive plan. God's redemptive plan deals with the hardness of heart, but God's redemptive plan has restoration in it. Yeah. And now I'm going to talk about this because our time is gone, because this is important. Now, restoration starts with the repentance and the healing of the heart must take place of the broken heart, but here's aspects of restoration. There's reconciliation. Mm -hmm. The two who have been walking apart come back together. Yeah. That's God's ideal. Paul talks about it. That's right. You know, you've separated, come back together. Mm. But there's also reconciliation of the fact that if life has happened and you've moved on, don't keep the bitterness and the anger. Mm. There is a time for you to say, you know, life has happened. This went on. You need to do as best as Paul says to live at peace with everybody. Yeah. You cannot continue to live in that bitterness and madness. You're going to hurt yeah. even this current relationship. That's right. Uh, and so there's those uh, bits. There's remarriage. In case of death, you know, in case of abandonment, someone has abandoned uh, you because they're an unbeliever, you can remarry. That's God. You can have family again. But there's also life after divorce. And you can choose to decide, I'll live as a single. That's not wrong. In case you choose to remarry, please apply God's biblical principles of his original perfect plan. That's right. It's a covenant relationship. And don't neglect your responsibilities from your previous marriage. It is a little harder, yeah. but God can enable you to carry on, but don't repeat the mistakes. Well, whether there's been a, a separation or a divorce, there are responsibilities that we have uh, in this relationship. There are legal obligations that yep. the lawyers can help us understand that. 
but we have parental obligations. Yeah. We have more obligations. Yeah. And we must apply principles of equity and natural justice. That must be part and parcel of our lives. Yes. Of course, there was a question of, um, are there grounds for remarriage in, in church and all the other questions? But I would say this. Yes, the Bible is clear. As a widow or as a widower, yep. the covenant has ended through yeah. death, get remarried. And mm -hmm. the Bible encourages that. Um, but also we tell people and we encourage you, first find healing, yes. emotional healing, so that you, you don't bring, I'll say, unnecessary baggage into your next relationship. Right. Because that pain can be ongoing. Do a self-evaluation. Am I ready to commit to this this um this relationship a covenant relationship yep. in this next season it's important even even if you are single and your hand was broken more so by a believer like some people say it's still important that you find healing yeah, and ask yourself am i ready to commit on this journey and there's no nothing wrong with finding wise counsel seek counsel and you'll be helped very true and, and there's lots more questions, but we cannot deal with all of them. Let's uh, turn to some of the ones that came through in singlehood. What should a single person do when they feel a heightened passion for sex, but have no, no one available to commit to marriage uh, to them? That's a big question. And um, we talked about some of the singlehood issues last week. Here's the reality, Josh. Yep. None of us was born married. Yeah. We were all single. We faced the passions and all of the uh, uh, desires, and it's natural. You're not uh, um, uh, uh, off if you're having those passions. In fact, Paul says, yeah. if you have those passions, then get married. married. And so marriage won't be a, a problem. But here's the thing. We live in a context today that is very sexualized. Yeah. And in fact, that's what begins to stir us up and we think the only solution to our sex or unhealthy sex appetites because of the context is marriage. That is not right. true. Yeah. In fact, Song of Songs, uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse 7 says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the doors of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Yeah. And so uh, it's saying, hey, don't get this thing stirred up mm -hmm. until you are ready. Now, Self-control is mm. still possible. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing. Even when you're married, there's going to be temptations. Yeah. Self-control is not something just for being single. Self-control is for everyone. Yeah. And we can do it by the help of God. Yeah. I know. There was a question, please. Uh, what is sexual morality in this day and age? A simple answer is any sex outside of marriage. Yep. Even self-arousal, because some people think is sex what you do with other people, but this world has spoiled us. It happens in your in the mind. mind. So guard your mind and don't walk in a direction that will start up with passions that are ungodly. Right. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 12 to 13 say, so if you think you are standing firm, mm -hmm. in other words, beware. Yeah. Be careful that you don't fall, whether yeah. single or married. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Yeah. 
And God, I love this, yep. is faithful. He will not let you be tempted yep. beyond what you can bear. Yep. But when you were tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yep. What a great encouragement. It is. What a great way Paul acknowledges there's going to be challenges and temptation, but there is a faithful God. That's true. And before the pastor comes to lead us in a moment of response, uh, I just want to re-encourage you. If you are a single person, you may have messed up, go back to God's original plan for your life. Start to live a life of purity. If you desire to get married, it's not wrong but begin to live a pure life now by the help of God. If you are married and your marriage is experiencing some challenges, not all hope is lost. We have God who is a redeeming God. He can bring back the life and the love and the laughter because the day you got married, you had all these dreams. He can restore the broken dream of that marriage. So don't be quick to run out of that marriage. Give God a chance. Watch him redeem. If life has already happened, you've moved on, uh, and maybe you've been carrying a certain sense of guilt and stigma, now that you know the truth, Pastor Josh shared, begin to apply biblical principles in the new context you are in. God loves you. God cares about you. And he has a beautiful plan for your life. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,